Hi, and welcome to the Vancouver Life Podcast. This podcast is created to answer the most talked about questions when it comes to navigating the Vancouver real estate market. I'm your host, Dan Wartell, a licensed agent and accredited real estate investment advisor based here in Vancouver, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Dash. Hi, Dan. I'm also a local realtor, an exhausted father of two, husband of one, and really happy to be here. Let's get right into today's episode. Government fees add 24% to the cost of new homes. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Vancouver Life Real Estate Podcast and YouTube channel. And speaking of YouTube channel, we are both so humbled and thankful we just crossed or we just received our 1,000th subscriber. And that's really, really immense and really, really uh, pivotal. And and we're so thankful for that. Um, We got to say every one of our subscribers, every one of our views, everything is authentic. We've never paid for subscribers. We we don't pay for views. We want to keep everything completely real and honest here. So all the numbers that you see on our channel are 100% real. And uh, again, having 1,000 of you subscribe to this channel means the world to us. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. You know, don't really have to say much more than that, Dan. That was about as authentic as you could have made it. So. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, uh, I like it. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you so much. We're gonna really. We are just getting started here, and we are looking to build something really, really monumental, and, and something that you're going to get tremendous value from. So, look to higher quality videos. Look to more. Um, we're going to do a lot more interviews. We're just really going to level up here and, and raise the game so you guys can be more engaged. So community, thank you once more. Let's get into today's episode. So as mentioned off the top, we are investigating here. We're kind of analyzing how much a new home is spent that uh, those fees go to the government. Um, essentially, what's happened here is verifying what builders have been saying for years, the CMHC, the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corp has just finished up a study that essentially quantifies what builders, developers, have been saying for years. The government fees add hundreds of thousands of dollars to the average new home cost. Okay, so let's get into this. Let's, let's share some of the data here. The study, which was just released last month on July the 5th, shows that government fees impact the cost of new homes by upwards of 24%. And not very shockingly, here in Vancouver, uh, we see the highest amount on a percentage basis here. So based on the current new home prices here in Vancouver, uh, these government costs add approximately $180,000 to the price of a typical new condo here in Vancouver. In comparison, (laughs) yeah, no, it's astronomical number. And then you got to think, because in comparison, the developer is baking in and hoping to make somewhere between 10 and 15% profit on this same build where the government is happy to take their 24%. So the lion's share of profit, if you will, of money made on the sale of a brand new home goes to the government to the tune of one quarter of the money that you spend on that new home is going to them. Um, it's shocking that they would make more than the developer. Do you know how much time, money, and effort it goes into building a high-rise? And the government just comes in in the end and says, cool, we'll just take a quarter of that. Thank you very much. Not, not to mention not to mention risk, Dan. Uh, exactly. 
carrying costs risk like, is enormous. That's right. You know, and and uh, you know they've done the, the government's done a great job of pointing the finger or or deflecting the finger, if you will, back onto the developer, right? It's easy to blame the capitalist, but at the end of the day, uh, without them, nothing gets built, and generally speaking, the government's making infinite returns. Yeah, right? yeah their cost so, in was, was essentially zero. Maybe a bit of time to uh, not release a permit for 36 months. <laughs> I mean, uh, when we look at the actual study, um, it includes all housing types, right? So detached, condos, low-rise, high-rise. Um, and according to the report, the average government charge per square foot in municipalities in the GTA, for example, is $86 a foot. In Metro Vancouver, that's all of Vancouver, it averages 70 a foot. And in Montreal, $24 a foot. But in the actual city of Vancouver... It has the highest cost per square foot on low-rise and high-rise strata condo buildings of all cities studied at a whopping $143 per square foot owing entirely to density payments. Okay, so what are density payments? Um, they relate to the amount of density permitted on a site and designed to raise revenue for the community amenities like swimming pools, parks, uh, playgrounds, that kind of thing. Um, once a subdivision agreement is registered, uh, the single detached home somehow tends to be the housing type subject to the lowest government fees. It's also the home that we need the least of, <laughs> if anything, I think it should be reversed, but this seems to run contrary to densification efforts being pursued by municipalities, which are necessary to increase housing supply with existing urban areas. So why are they being incentivized to build single detached homes? That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it definitely comes across a bit backwards in the sense that you've got your, let's call it six, 8,000 square foot lot. And of course, the cost to build a single family home is minute compared to building multifamily. But that same... Mm chunk of land could house 8, 10, 40, 50 families compared to the one. So you'd think, yeah, it would almost be the reverse. You're having mm. less density in this area and you're getting charged accordingly, but realistically you're taking away potential land space. From yeah, it should be inverse, right? right? I mean, you, if you're going to in, incentivize density and, and, and <laughs> then, then it should be more expensive to build a single-family home when we need density the most. Uh, anyways, that's right. So, <laughs> yeah. So as Ryan said, um, about $143 per square foot is going to the government as far as the total overall construction cost, which comes out to around that 24% number. Uh, but let's break it down just a little bit further so we actually understand what's going into these total building costs. Understandably, the first thing you need is land. Developers are buying the land uh, underneath the building that they're going to create. Secondly, you've got your hard construction costs, which is your materials, your labor, and your equipment. On top of that, you've got your soft construction costs, which are your fees paid to professionals. Your architects, for example, will be involved in that build, too. Then the government comes in and they've got upwards of an average of 9.3 different fees that they charge developers for their building, which includes um, fees for development, building permits, zoning and amendments, site servicing fees, infrastructure and community levies, and of course, taxes. Um, and then lastly, the developers got to come in there and make some money themselves for providing all this housing. 
Um, this is essentially, like we said, about 10 to 15% between sale price and their all costs inclusive. What's a bit more terrifying here though, these numbers that we've been sharing with you, as this was a national study, provincial taxes and municipal taxes were not included. So on your new home here in Vancouver, GST and property transfer tax are on top of that 24% that they're already taking, making the final amount that you're actually paying on a new home upwards of 30 to 33% is going to the government. One third of your new home costs is going to government fees. Uh, <laughs> sorry. And people are complaining about <laughs> affordability here. Yeah, and the government's pointing Understandably. fingers. Understandably, yeah. And uh, anyhow, um, so to your point, Dan, let's talk a little bit about affordability because the government can't seem to figure it out because they're part of the problem. Um, the government has been raising taxes on housing and every initiative, every affordable housing initiative has never discussed the government taking less. So... But, you know, you need to pay more. But <laughs> we're not going to reduce our fees, even though it's going to take you 36 months to get what you need from us, and it's on our time and our dime. It, that is, it's crazy. So to, to look at this in another way, the average condo in Vancouver costs $806,000 today. And if you removed those government fees, that same condo would cost 530000 now that's a whole another category category of affordability, right? I mean, I get some fees might be necessary, and I think that we could do that in in certain ways. But I'll I'll let you maybe talk about some of the solutions, Dan. Sure. Yeah. CMHC in this study, and definitely it is worth a review if if this is of interest to you. Uh, go to the CMHC website. It's a twenty six page report. It's quite in depth. And it does share what they come forward with as being kind of potential solutions. Because, of course, you know, these fees, it's not just greed. The government's not just taking them and buying private jets. Like these, these fees are, at least I'm sure a small portion of them, going to actual improvements within communities. And, of course, yes, uh, getting site services to the property, right? These are things that are, are truly needed. So, obviously, eliminating them completely is not a solution. Um, but I think there are ways to dissect this and, and maybe improve upon it. Because, again, a third of the cost of your new home, it, that's a, likely on the high side. As we know, there are other countries that definitely do not charge this. And somehow their housing is more affordable. Okay. So I'm going to kind of read some of these verbatim here. But uh, essentially, the first thing that they talked about is um, increasing certainty around the number, timing, and magnitude of government fees. Because a lot of these, if you can believe it, are actually negotiable. There's no set amount. So imagine being a developer and you're going to spend half a billion dollars on a build and um, you know your zoning fees and whatnot are in the gray area. You don't know. Um, so being able to provide maybe a little bit more clarity uh, would definitely help out of the get-go. Um, you know, things like financing as well. I mean, these are things that uh, are negotiable too, but again, having unknowns within the government, like, you know, it, it would help developers get clarity and be able to move forward quicker with providing more housing if there was certainty within government fees. Yeah. And I, I think you also have to align those government fees um, 
and and the development of it with other housing policy goals, right? Um, I also think, Dan, this wasn't included in the study, but I would say a level of transparency in where some of these fees are ending up, I think is is very prudent way for the government to say, hey, we need 33%. Okay, cool. Well, show us why. Right? Where is it going? Because if it's not going into community services, if it's not going to improve the local area, and it's getting blended into a balance sheet, then there's some tougher questions to ask. Yeah, I, I think it's some form of a guarantee, like you said. Is, is that being policed? Because they can be transparent. They can say it's going to A, B, and C. But then who's on yeah. the other end of that saying, okay, did it actually get there? Who's auditing those books? Who's checking where those funds were truly spent? Uh, I think that would be a nice yeah. thing to uh, be, be uh, provided to the to the public. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, anyhow, I'll, some of the other elements I think are, are important, but I think transparency would would really be a big piece of this. Um, they've identified examples where municipalities had lower fees for rental apartment development, which aligned well with those governments that want to promote that. Um, these efforts could be reinforced by making fees higher for less dense developments. Duh. Sorry, we talked about that already, but I don't know how you've... Uh, anyways. Uh you know, so detached homes have maybe the highest level of development fees in terms of uh, percentage, right? Uh, comparatively to um, lower or, or higher density areas needing less fees based on their area. Anyhow, um, I think, you know, providing that would be an incentive as well for a lot of people to reconsider alternative property types too. But anyhow. Okay, so yeah, moving on to the next one then, and again, this comes down to uh, negotiation. This is eliminating density payments payable upon spot rezoning. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, once a piece of land has been rezoned, it has a different value. And essentially, I believe what these guys are doing is they are sort of renegotiating, saying, okay, this land is now worth X, and we're going to put in a different variable of fees on top of this. So, again, it's it's an unknown. I'm sure there's a general range, but, again, uh, when you are dealing with fairly thin margins here, you don't want a range. You want to be working with uh, as specific numbers as possible. So, again, it comes down to further clarification and uh, likelihood, a bit of a, an equal playing field, if you will. Because if they can move the goalpost per project, it, it makes it even harder for developers to, to hammer down their costs and, uh, and not have cost overruns that ultimately you know, either eat away at their profits, making further development less likely, or they're ending up being pushed on to the end user, the buyer. Yeah, and I mean, some of these density plans could be you know, built into the official community plans, right? So they could have the areas pre-zoned, if you will, um, and having the typology, the type specific property type, uh, consistent with the plan, um, I think that would be big. And and I, you know, from the amount of conversations I've had down with with um, builders, um, I think one of the biggest pain points um, is every revision that happens with the city, every revision that comes through in terms of plans or inspections, whatever, is that they're inconsistent with the next revision or the, or the follow-up to that inspection. Mm -hmm. And that creates a ton, a ton of time, right? Because the city is understaffed They're They don't have, they, you know, it's very difficult for them to, um, 
come back when these things are done on an appropriate time and and the process at which maybe the revision now is is taking could be a three or four week process to get that new revision under play that wasn't there before you know these things add tremendous dollars because none of the developers got to hold the property for longer um they're paying more taxes the longer they hold it right so all of those costs get transferred down and um and and the the government's got to get out of their own way here Agreed. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, mean, I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't disagree. Okay. And then the last one here, exploring alternate tools for municipalities, and I think to add to this ultimately, developers, to raise the revenue to fund municipal services and capital projects. For sure. Right yeah. now, it sounds like the only option is essentially government says, cool, we're going to take that money and we're going to tell you where it's going to be dispersed and what type of improvements are going to be made. Essentially, what happens is when a developer builds or applies for a permit to build a tower, the city says, okay, great, we're going to say yes, but that also means you have to build some low-income housing here and you have to fund a park over here as a very sort of top-level example. So could that developer, could that municipality not say, great, well, we've got our official community plan and we've actually got a group here who's raised X million dollars and they want to build the park thanks to this developer putting, you know, a a high rise here. And then this individual here wants to go and actually fund some low income housing. You know, we've all seen hospitals with complete wings that have been built by uh, affluent donors. What's that? By donors. Sure. Exactly. By uh, philanthropists here. Let's say there might be a a Jimmy Mm -hmm. Madison, for example, that would come in and say, look, I want to help this community here by supplying X. So again, I think that's a a unique solution to explore as well, because um, there are other means of raising capital to result in community improvements. Mm -hmm. And crowdfunding, you could do all kinds of, there's all kinds of ways of getting it. That's right. Right. Yeah. And um, it's just been entrenched in this way. And um, it's, uh, you know, when, when I think it was over, over a year, maybe a year and a half ago now, Dan, we, we had urban analytics on our, on our pod. And I remember them kind of opening our eyes to the fact that when you start peeling back the layers of the onion, you'll cry just <laughs> how bad, yeah, sure. how, at how bad the tax uh, implications are. And, and, you know, like a DCC fee for a, develop, a developer to come in, you know, they'll, they'll have to drop $5 million, right, on DCC fees to get their project reviewed. Sure, what right? that stands for? It, it, the development construction permit costs, right? Um, so, you know, to review the plan, it's based on the size of the building that you're building, right? So if you're building a tower and you're putting in 400 units, you're... DCC fees are going to be in the millions, right? And this is just at the review stage. So where do those funds go? What is, what is you know, is that getting put back into the community? That's where, that's the, that's the question. 33% may be uh, an acceptable number if we know what the money, where the money's going. But it also might be a very unacceptable number if the government doesn't even know where it's going. Bike lanes? I don't know. I'm it's kidding. weird. But. I, yeah, but yeah, but uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know where it goes. I don't, I don't see it, um, and I, I don't think the government really does a good job of telling us either. So yeah, okay. So that's largely it for us today. So next time you're going to buy that pre-sale, that new condo, uh, just recognize a third of what you're paying there is going to the government, and then keep in mind too, 
every time a property is resold, they are benefiting from that as well, uh, largely through property transfer tax. You know, things like bare land or unlived in homes will also be subject to GST, all sorts of ways for them to continue to get tax revenue from the resale of properties. Okay, well, again, let's finish this off. Positive note here, 1,000 subscribers means the world to us. Thank you all so much. We'd love to see it grow even more. Please, please share this with at least one person you think may benefit from it. And we will see you next week with some more timely information. Have a great day. That wraps up this edition of the Vancouver Life Podcast. For more information on this podcast and to access a ton of free downloads, investment opportunities, current market info, and homes for sale, you can find it all at www.thevancouverlife.com. Thanks, and we look forward to bringing you more podcasts about Vancouver real estate.